sense of life or death, good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk Movies. I'm Brad. I'm Miguel. And welcome to the Cockadoody Show. Nice to see you all on this extremely cold evening. Uh, I hope you are warm wherever you are. We're certainly not here in the wonderful. I don't know. Unless you're in Florida. Unless you're in Florida, <laughs> you guys. I hope you guys are staying warm. Florida or so or, or SoCal, Southern California. That that's it. Like nowhere oh. else. Uh, nowhere else is gold. Um, but oh. it is. Listen, this is a perfect night to talk about um, a film that is largely set during a blizzard. Um, that is set during the winter time. This picture right here in the thumbnail. That's basically the state of Kentucky right now. That that's okay. Just, I wouldn't say that. No, but... I wouldn't say that. But. It, by the end of the week, it's, it's very possible. You never know. Very well, could be. Yeah. <laughs> you just you never know. Um, but uh, it is a it's a very cold one. Um, I, I real quick like I don't know where any of you are in the in the chat, but I wanted to Miguel. I was going to show you this. So this is the National Weather Service website. Look how many winter weather alerts are in the U.S. right now. <laughs> like it's literally everywhere. Hell yeah. It's just it's crazy, man. And the end the rest of the week it's going to be even crazier it's just like literally everywhere there's a winter storm warning or an advisory or uh like for snow or wind chills or whatever it's just like it's it's a wild time there's to, something to be happening. alive you know it, yeah it's, it's a lot so <laughs> um but how you doing tonight buddy other than, being, other than being cold how are you what, what else is there to say dog i have a i drive a honda like civic and when i tell you that I can manage my way through through the snow, but there's one thing I know for a fact. You have to know how to drive in the snow. If you don't, stay the fuck home. This is like 100% um, a full coverage day. Yeah. If you have liability, park your car ass at home. Do yeah. not even bother being outside because we don't want that type yeah. of uh, uh, shit happening in, uh, on these roads. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's been it's been it's been interesting, especially with the roads. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, well, that's the problem with wintertime. It's like even if you know what you're doing, there are 200 other people around you that have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, and it's like, see, we do that. We do this thing in the state of Kentucky. I don't know about anywhere else, but we do this thing where people they 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 when they're driving in winter weather, whether it's like freezing rain or just straight up rain or snow, whatever the case is. Uh, they'll they'll drive really slowly and and carefully at first, and then they slowly get comfortable. And as they get comfortable, they speed up and they speed up and speed up. And then somebody will slide or something will happen, and everybody locks it up. 
just like foot slam down, locks the brakes up, which of course makes the entire group of cars slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course, think bad things happen. But it's just, it's like I, I don't know. It's, and I'm not, it's I'm not making fun of like people who are like actually getting hurt out there and getting stranded. It's dangerous out there. But that's what I'm just trying to say. Like, please, for the love of God, if you have to be outside. Unless you like, it's a straight up emergency. Don't even bother being outside. That's all I'm saying. You know, keep your ass at home. It's safer. It's warmer. Do yourself a favor and your car and your insurance provider all a favor. Just stay home. It's not worth <laughs> losing a car or your life. Facts. That's all I'm saying. Facts. I actually, yeah. so I got this blanket. You probably can't. I you can't even tell what it is. You can kind of see Jason there and Freddie. So this is I my my I think my cousin got me this. Um, it's a huge blanket, like comforter sized blanket. That it's you know the the Beatles Abbey Road cover of them walking across the crosswalk. It's Stabby Road, and it's got Jason, Freddie, Michael, and Leatherface, uh, like walking across in a straight line. It's Stabby Road. I thought that was kind of cool. That's funny. I was like, I don't know. I was sitting there and I was like, man, it's cold outside. Like it's snowing. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear a blanket during the show. Like I'm gonna be nice and. And cozy. I'm gonna tuck myself into bed. I'm gonna let you kiss me goodnight and do whatever else we do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep keep that ass warm for for dinner, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let me real quick in the chat. Want to acknowledge you guys. Um, love you all for uh, being here. Whether let me go back. Uh, Rosalie is here. What's up, Rosie? She said this weather is misery. <laughs> it is. I'm listen. Very I'm somebody true. who actually likes it though. I have to admit, I am a glutton for winter weather. I'm a glutton for weather period. But like, I. I, I do. I, I really like winter weather a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite time. Now, it's weird because from like December through February, I'm good. When we get past that, it's like, okay, I'm sick of it being cloudy every day and like I'm ready for. I'm ready for the, the promise of spring and, and mm-hmm. summer, you know? But yeah, yeah. Um, Rosie also said some hot chocolate hit the spot with brandy. She's throwing brandy in her hot chocolate. That sounds fire. Love sounds it. Sounds like a good old time. Uh, Zodiac Z, what's going on, buddy? He said, good evening, everybody. Uh, what is up? And then also, what the hell? That huh? is a wow. The major influential loving friend. <laughs> yes. For you PG-13 folks. A major influential, influential loving, loving friend. friend. There you go. Wow, that is amazing. We could put that on a t-shirt. That, that is that when we start. Let's talk movies merch, man. That is going on a t-shirt. Major Let's influential t-shirt. loving friend. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Brad, you uh, you are my milf. Just so you I know. Am. I love it, man. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, and then Gory Tiger, what's going on? Gory, uh, hope you all are doing well. We're glad you're here. Uh, again, we are talking misery. Um, this is we did a watch along for this uh, about three weeks ago or so. Yes, you haven't checked um, it out. Yeah, if you haven't checked that out, I, th- see the thing is, so the the thing about this show about purely and simply evil is we take deep dives into stuff. If you're new or if you haven't been around for a long time, uh, and, and our we're we're working on this year. One of our goals is to really build up the purely and simply evil catalog. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to get through a bunch of zombie stuff. We want to get to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. We've just done, um, we've done Elm Street and we've done Halloween, but we want to, you know, we want to move a little bit further as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a show where we take deep dives. This isn't really a review of the movie, although we do get into, you know, 
reviewing it and things like that. But um, it's a little bit more than a review. If you want a commentary or our like beat by beat thoughts during the film, go back to the watch along. We do a watch along before every single one of the purely and simple evil shows. Mm-hmm. So no matter what it is, whether we've seen it before, whether we haven't, whatever. Um, so if you want our, our kind of beat by beat thoughts on the film as you're watching, uh, the watch along is the place to do that. But this is a place where we take deep dives into it. So um, without further ado, uh, Rob Reiner's Misery, uh, starring the incredible Kathy Bates and the wonderful, sexual, incredibly brilliant, beautiful man, James Caan. Jesus Christ. That was a lot. I the man up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I do like James Caan a lot, though. I think he's good in this. I think he's a good actor. Um, he's he's one of them that worth. Like, I almost feel like he plays the same person in every movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way. That's not an insult by any means. That's just like... He's just like James Conn is James Conn. Like you know what you're gonna get. You know what I mean? He's yeah, not, it's like, like he, he, he's not a big character actor like uh, like Kathy Bates is. You know, and again, that's not a bad thing. That's just mm-hmm. it's just it's James Conn. Like you just you know. Well, it's like it's like you know when you know you're watching a Ryan Gosling movie, you know you're gonna get a rise Ryan Gosling in right. the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Or Ryan Reynolds. You know, like the reason why Ryan Reynolds does well as Deadpool is because. He's just being Ronald Reynolds. So, like, that's, yeah. you know. And that's what, I think that's how uh, O'Buddy is in this film, you know? So, yeah, like, there's different actors that can, like, that can be very decent method actors. And there's some that can really pull right. on your emotional heartstrings. And there's just some that are good for just being them in the film. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And that's and, what and I like, consider. Like uh, I said, I, I didn't mean anything bad by that because I, I do like James Conn a lot. It's just like, mm-hmm. like I think of like his character in Elf versus his character in this, and I'm like, they're not personality wise, they're not like opposite mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. somebody like like Johnny Depp, you can take two of Johnny Depp's roles and they're completely different vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even versus like what like what Kathy Bates did. I mean, obviously there's always similarities, but like even versus like what Kathy Bates did here with like the split personality thing and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's interesting. So I don't know. Did um, you like him as did you like him in The Godfather? Because I know he's I know he's I in did. all three. Yeah, I, I did like him in The Godfather oh. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was playing Sonny. Yep. He's a great actor. I mean he really is. He's he's I, I don't I don't know if I'd say he's one of like my favorites, but I, I like him. I mean, I, I always have. You know, I like him in The Godfather. I like him in Elf. I like him in this. Um, what else is he? Let me. I know there's things I'm like forgetting. Of who the uh, of James Con? James Con. What's in his yeah. filmography? He's in Fast Charlie, El Dorado. Fast Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one movie that he was in that I really would like to see, but I haven't. Because it's like such a seventies film is Rollerball. Have you heard of Rollerball? I haven't seen Rollerball. Yeah, I find that an interesting film because it's. Not, I'm not talking about the fucking like. Uh, which one am I? T- There's one that came out like a like a pretty early. What year was this one? Rollerballs. I don't know. I don't know what that one's about. But let me see if I can find it. It's how can I how can I explain this? You know, like you know, like it's like skate. It's like a it's like a derby, like heavy duty derby, like but on roller skates. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, yeah. 
I haven't. I know about the two thousand ones, but I just want to see the seventies one because it looked pretty sick. If you guys, if you guys seen like the cover photo of it, it looks dope. It's like your typical seventies like Star Wars esque like cool clip art uh, poster. One of those posters yeah. I would really like. But um, yeah, it's just I like to see Rollerball. I did not know James Con was in it, but from what I can tell, he was fairly young in this one. Because I'm kind of used to seeing James and like older, like him in his like late like 50s, when he's old, 60s. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He so. was still, I mean, he was in his 40s probably here. He wasn't like young, you know what I mean? But he still wasn't mm-hmm. very old. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and then you have Kathy Bates, which I mean, she is she won an Academy Award for playing Annie Wilkes in Misery, of course. Very Wasn't well one deserved. of her like um, first in, film or earlier films? I don't know if it was one of her first, but it was, I, I think it's one of her strongest performances um, of all time. I mean, I, I think she did some stuff in the in the early 90s, which I know this was 90 and um, in the late eighties too, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I love this. oddly, oddly enough, you know what else I really like Kathy Bates in like her wow. character because it's, and these are two completely different characters, but like, she's got this like quippy, sarcastic, uh, strong chick vibe is in Titanic. She plays Molly Brown in Titanic. And I'm like, like she, she's the one who's like calling them, um, uh, what does she say? Um, when the lifeboats won't turn around and she says they're cowards or something like that. And she's like, you know, I don't know. She, uh, Bobby, did ever catch that gorilla that busted out that zoo and punch in the eye? No, I <laughs> love, um, I love Kathy in the water boy. He's that's, yeah, that's the water boy. I the blind side. It. She's in the blind side too. Isn't she is. She, is she the, is she the teacher? She's the teacher in the blind side, right? She's the, she's the tutor. Yeah, the tutor. Yeah, 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 tutor. yeah, yeah, yeah. She played. No, she the played the mama. She played the mama for Richard Jewell that movie. If you guys don't know that one, that one is so sad, it's an emotional yeah. one. And yep. uh, Fred Claus, the, the unsinkable uh, Molly Brown. That's yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was. Of... She played. Uh, what's her fucking name? Hi- she was in Highwaymen too. I liked her in that one. She doesn't have that many like roles that are like not as. How can I say this? She doesn't have. A lot of roles where she is like the main character, but she's really she, great. She's a really great supporting yeah. character. Like she nails everything she does, you know. Um, yeah. When so the unsinkable Molly Brown, what you brought up. I'm again, I, like Miguel can tell you this. My wife can tell you this. It actually annoys the, the shit out of my wife because I am a huge fan of like the not not necessarily the movie Titanic, but like I am a huge nerd when it comes to the Titanic. Like ever since mm-hmm. I, I was a kid, I've been like. I'm just I'm obsessed with reading about it and watching documentaries and um, like I'm just I'm I'm really interested in it. One of my favorite scenes from that movie is actually a scene that Kathy Bates is in when one of she of course she's rich she's a first class passenger so she's on a lifeboat they're rowing away from the ship and it's at the point where they like it's it's going down like the the Titanic is like sticking up in the air and mm-hmm. she it's like zooming in on her face with like the black like ocean behind her mm. and she says like Mary mother of God or something like that. And it, the camera like pans and you see the Titanic like sticking up and like people are falling. Like it's one of the best shots in the entire film. But, um, but yeah, she's, she's a really great supporting actress in like, no matter what she does, you're exactly right with that. Um, and, and she was very, very deserving of the Oscar that she got for, 
misery because I was I was kind of talking to Julia about this earlier when because I was telling her about the show we were doing and what we were talking about and stuff and I was like anybody who plays someone with a split personality or who is like who who is psycho I feel like that would be it's one thing to play like a murderer like somebody who's crazy because you can craft that character and you can kind of get in their head and make it like what is what about them is crazy but mm-hmm. this it's almost like she's playing two or three different characters in one because you have Annie Wilkes when she's like all bubbly and like I'm your number one fan and she's all happy and like go lucky and then you've got the like you dirty birdie like the like weird like sensual but like condescending version and then you have just the like broken chain just psychopath i'm gonna break your ankles version of annie like it's like you're playing three different people Mm -hmm. and i feel like like i i mean i'm not an actor but as an actor i would almost think that's like it it would be hard to balance that you know what i mean yeah don't you think because in reality you're just like playing like multiple characters Right, if that makes sense. Yeah, so. or the guy who in Split, who plays the dude in Split, and that that whole Glass trilogy, whatever. James McAvery. Yes, James McAvery. Um, I may be wrong in that name, or not McAvery. Mc, uh, look that up, Miguel. I forget. It's something. James something. James Mc something. James Mc something. Mc something. McAvery. He's, there you go. Is it really McCaffrey? It is McCaffrey. Really? That oh, was that right? right? Was that right? Yeah, but that doesn't no. sound right still. Oh, yeah, it is. James McCaffrey. Professor that X. One. That was him. Yep. James McAvoy. That sounds right. James McAvoy. Did I say his name wrong? Yeah. James, yeah. James McAvoy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It, I feel like it takes talent to play someone who's got a split who's got a split personality and she's an interesting, interesting, interesting character, you know? Yeah, no, Um, I, I agree. So, uh, obviously based on Stephen King's novel and, uh, Rosalia said the book is really good too. I've never read it. Um, I would like to, I I think you not read the book. I know. Right. Oh, please. Tell me, act like you've read the book. Act like I read. <laughs> I'm actually listen. My New Year's resolution was to read more, so I'm actually I am trying to read a little bit more. Um, yeah, I know myself, but <laughs> I usually pick super unattainable New Year's resolutions. So like I, you know, I'm I'm trying to do something that I can actually do. <clears throat> but um, so the Stephen King has said that the novel was basically a a manifestation of his fear of a crazed fan. Like if there was a crazed obsessive fan, like what would that look like? And I think this is kind of the manifestation of that concept and of that idea. Um, But misery was released. The film was released uh, on November 30th, 1990. It had a budget of a between Wikipedia has it as a budget between 18 and $20 million. It got a $61.3 million return at the box office. So like it went, you know, Mm-hmm. A round ballpark of three times its budget, which is a pretty, which is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly enough, it was second at the box office to somewhere in my it, It's funny because we just did we just did Home Alone right before we did a watch along of Home Alone for Christmas right before we did a watch along of Misery. So like, 
that was just kind of funny that that we happened to do those two. But this was second in the box office to Home Alone in 1990 when it came out. So I thought that was kind of a cool little tidbit, you know. Um, as we said, Kathy Bates famously won Best Actress at the Academy Awards for her portrayal of Annie Wilkes. And, um, you know, this is, for me, Misery is a very uh, claustrophobic psychological film it's it's not even as much what happens it's like what could happen like it, it's not only a slow burn but um it, it's tense and it makes you feel this sense of isolation and i know that's supposed to be like a a parallel with what uh james Kahn's character is feeling and what he must think you know obviously a blizzard is kind of a Poetic for uh, us to talk uh, about around this time of year. Yes, but also a blizzard is kind of a uh, an isolating thing in and of itself. You know, it makes you feel stranded mm-hmm. because you can't go anywhere. Like you, you're just trapped where you are, and it's piling snow and piling snow and piling snow and piling snow. Um, and, and it just this film the the fact that the location mostly takes place inside of this room. Um, and even when we do go outdoors, it's like you're seeing the sheriff and you're in the town, which is in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains in Colorado. Are we in Colorado? I want to say it's Colorado. I'm pretty sure. Is it like, like there's 90... thing where like their house is like in Chicago, but they fucking were in like. Well, I think, the, like... I think at the beginning of the movie, he is in Chicago, Chicago or New York, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's this sense of isolation and being trapped there that I think you feel as a you feel as a as an audience member. But it's also a reflection of what, um, you know, of what he is feeling, uh, you know, as he would have been trapped there, um, you know, um, also. OK, so it's New York City. I just I, I, I found it on here. Uh, Paul is from New York. So it wasn't Chicago. I was wrong about that. Um, but obviously, he's a he's a novelist. Uh, he writes these uh, Victorian fiction romance novels, and um, which, by the way, sounds fucking awful to read. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that would be like the next hit, like wah, like a hit yeah. novel series. Yeah, that does not. That doesn't seem very great. Again, that's not my genre. So <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, let me see. I forget. Uh, yeah, it's Colorado. Yep, Silver. Yeah, Silver Creek, because that's the name of the series. I've never seen the series. I know there's a there's a prequel series about Annie Wilkes and about the murders and things like that she does. Before. Is there really? Silver, yeah, I like it's that Silver Creek, and I've never I've never seen it. I've heard it's very good. Um, but yeah, it's so yeah, like most. I've heard Castle. It says Castle Rock season two teases Chilling yeah. Misery prequel. Yeah, Castle oh. Rock is um, or it's not Silver Creek. Castle Silver Creek is the Colorado town. Um, that he's at in the film, but she is from a different place, uh, which is uh, Castle Rock. So yeah, he's yes, she is. The show is called Castle Rock, um, but this story takes place in Colorado, uh, and he is from New York. And obviously, yes, like you all said in the chat, uh, most King stories do take place in Maine. Um, but the yeah, it's somewhere with snow. It, it might as well be Kentucky or Tennessee right now because somewhere with snow. snow. Um. So yeah, it's but obviously he is. He's Holy finishing... shit! Uh, Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan plays uh plays Annie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need yeah. to check this out. This yeah. seems interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and he is caught in a blizzard as he's trying to drive back after he's been riding, and he is rendered unconscious, he's injured, and um, Annie finds him, and she takes him back to her studio, or her house and her farm, and she's like, I'm your number one fan. Could you admit, first of all, if you say Hi, say you I'm were in that situation, fan. no, you are being... severely injured, you open your eyes, and some random person is like, wouldn't you be like, first of all, can you get the hell out of my face? Like, le- like let me, like let me breathe a second. Like, I just went through a really traumatic experience. Like, hold on a second, because <laughs> she's like, hi. You know, it's very, it's very strange. No, um, she's right up in her face. Right, she's right up in his face too. Yeah, yeah. But I would be, I'd be extremely uneasy. I mean, I'm gonna say this. Like an author is in the same caliper as you know as modern day uh directors or even actors so they're put up in that pedestal like really high like even back then so for the novel that he wrote during this time and it being such a huge success it doesn't surprise me that that there would be a fan somewhere in the woodworks you know so but still, at the same time, I understand with, like, authors, I'm sure there was some level of, like, animosity, anonymity, sorry, that were, like, the doc- where, like, the authors can kind of, like, you know, weasel through society and not really be recognized all that well as, you know, as compared to, like, a director or um, a uh, a actor. So for, for, for him to, like, get in this wreck and be, like, rescued by, like, his, qu- his quote-unquote number one fan... Yeah, it's way too much of a coincidence for him to be like, "Ooh, this sounds off." So, which I think yeah. he kind of catches yeah. on, like from right. the get go. Like he knows that this well, is like kind of weird. And and you can make the argument that like, okay, he just went through something really traumatic. He's out of it. She's probably drugged him. Like he's not in the frame of mind. He's just like, "Holy crap, I'm alive!" Like this person is helping me. Cool. Like he's pro- he's probably not thinking anything of it until. A few days later when it starts to get weirder and weirder and weirder, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, uh, we were talking about the production a little bit earlier. Stephen King, who mostly hates the adaptations of his novels, has said that this is in like the top two or three like of his favorite adaptations. And it's one of his favorite uh, novel adaptations, like any novel of all time, which is pretty cool. So. I have no idea, but I know like he can't. And the Shining. Um, I don't think he's a huge fan of it either. Like I, I think he's. I think it's Pet Cemetery. He's very picky. Mm, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery is a good movie. Yeah, um, I'd say it probably is. And interestingly enough, so so essentially, how, how this film was born is um, Andrew uh, Scheinman, who he uh, he was a producer on When Harry Met Sally. He did Stand by Me. He did The Princess Bride. Um, he was working for uh, for Castle Rock at the time, and um, Castle Rock Entertainment. And he read Misery on a plane, and eventually he brought it back a few months later, and he talked to Rob Reiner about it, and he um, and they liked it, and they kind of they they. Oh, excuse me. With me all this cold weather, and I'm wearing a blanket. Um, they uh, he they ended up tapping William Goldman, who I looked at William Goldman's thing. He um, 
he was he's a novelist he's a playwright he writes screenplays he's done quite a few different things um but he was a writer on uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid um he did heat with burt reynolds um and he was actually interestingly enough he was a consultant on goodwill hunting when they were writing that which i think is pretty cool yeah so the dudes had some pretty good writing credits um but um, this is a uh, it's it was essentially that that's kind of how the idea was born. And weirdly, tell me if you think everybody in the chat, man, Miguel, you tell me if this would be good. Um, so the part of Paul Sheldon, I pulled this from Wikipedia, was originally offered to William Hurt twice, then Kevin Klein, then Michael Douglas, then Harrison Ford, then Dustin Hoffman, then Robert De Niro, then Al Pacino, then Richard Dreyfus, then Gene Hackman, and to Robert Redford. Every single one of them turned it down. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> um, trying to William, trend on who they were trying to look for. I know. Middle-aged right? white men. Yeah, for real. Um, isn't William Hurt the guy who was in marvel he was uh yeah he's ross William Hurt, yeah yeah he's that's ross, ross. yep R.I.P. He, he just died like pretty recently right yes he did i feel like i remember that yeah yep. um i don't, could you imagine al pacino or uh or dustin hoffman or de niro hey, or, what's going on here or richard yeah. dreyfus or harrison like i i don't know i couldn't imagine any of them in that al pacino role. would be, be very, the funniest like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, yeah, he'd be like, what are you doing? That'd be awesome. Yeah, you want to play? You... <laughs> In his New York accent, that'd be hysterical, dude. Honestly, though, like, how can I... It'd be so fun to, like, watch different actors. You know how, like... So you mentioned this list of, like, actors that, like, were supposed to play these characters in this film but ended up like not doing it but wouldn't it be funny to like see little snippets of like them uh, like acting out different scenes just to be like how would this look like yeah i think it'd be cool i think those are pretty cool it, it takes me back to like takes me back to like uh when i think boys in the hood whenever they were doing like test screenings it wasn't going to mm. be uh i love that movie Cuba jr wasn't supposed to be him it was initially supposed to be snoop dogg so there's a back behind the scenes of Snoop Dogg doing like the 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 tantrum no. that he throws <laughs> and it is cringe as fuck but no. it's still so funny to see yes. how it could have been that way. Yeah, screw that. Uh so Zodiac, you said you've never seen Gerald's game. Dude, I I'm Zodiac, I'm giving you homework. You need to go find Gerald's game. Don't look up anything. Just watch it. Miguel, have you seen Gerald's Game? I have. Dude, that movie, I thought I knew exactly where that movie was going. I was so thrown off at the end. I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, it, it just like, it threw, like, you think it's one thing, and then it just like, it, it completely throws like a wrench at your face at the end of it. Like, whoa like something you and, and it's not like it's weird because it doesn't like change the plot of the story necessarily it just adds something like it adds a layer to it that you're just like what where did that come from like and it's kind of creepy 
Like, you know the scene I'm talking about at the end of the film, right? Yeah, with 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 old buddy, if I'm not mistaken, is that a <laughs> jump scare? With old buddy, is that jump it's, scare? It's not yeah. even a jump scare because you see it coming. It's just like, it's just like what? Mm-hmm. It, it it's so bizarre. It, it's Zodiac without telling you what it is. Like it's it's one of the most bizarre endings to a film that I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it it's crazy. Rosie, how is it tied in with misery though? I'm I'm missing that. I'm I'm trying to think. It's it's been a while. I've only seen it once. I've seen the film once, but you'll have to remind me. Man, I need to go back and rewatch that. That's that's a fun movie. I'm not gonna lie. It kind of lost me a little bit. I almost turned it off, and I'm so glad that I didn't. Because Jero's that game, ending. Did you yes. really not like it all that much? No, it was good. It was good. It kind of got towards the middle. I was kind of like, okay. Some something else has to happen. Like, we've we've got to do something else. So we and boy, it 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 did. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it really did, man. Uh, it it threw something else in. Well, it's well here. I don't wanna. I don't wanna like. I know. I don't wanna say it. Zodiac, but but it Zodiac. Just know it is definitely worth. It's definitely worth a watch. It's. I'd agree. You mm-hmm. you could never. I I would have never guessed the weird plot twist at the end. If you would have, like if you would have offered me $5 million to come up with a plot twist, that would not have been the thing that I would have come up with at all. It's, (laughs) it's whack. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a fun film. Um, I forgot about that. I need to go back and rewatch that. Um, I need to, I need to rewatch that one too. It's, it really is. A film that has a lot of layers to it, it does. and for the actors that are in there, I enjoy each one of them, and I think that's one of the Stephen King films that I like. One of the newer Stephen King films where I kind of like genuinely felt like. Is that it. a Stephen King film? I think it is. Yeah. Really? Unless I'm wrong. Holy crap! It is. Yeah. Where? Stephen King. Yeah. Bro. Where have I been? Like what? Well, here, Rosalia, isn't it true that like everything in Stephen King's universe, like all of his novels, are like connected in some weird way, and it goes back to like the Dark Tower and, and all that bullshit? Pretty sure that's what you're referring to, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it, are you just saying that's connections between Misery and uh, Gerald's Game alone? Because I know that's the entire, oh, wow. the entire novelization of all of his works is connected in some way i think that's if that's what you're meaning yes i agree but i would have to look more in depth to find the connections wow that really is straight up a stephen king adaptation i did not know that yeah yeah wow Huh. Yeah, I need to look this up. I need to like, I need to sit down and like review the Stephen My King. My entire map. mind is blown right now. Like I, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's a yeah. good film. You need to go watch. It. <laughs> um. So yes, the the f- I don't know about the book. Let's see. Where is Misery set? 
Where is Misery set? King's 1987 novel is set in snowy Colorado. Yep. So it's still Colorado in the book. So it's not Maine, which is interesting. So New York or Maine, which is where he's from New York. He's in Colorado writing. And when he's on his way back. Oh, because New York he, goes, he goes to a cabin. He to goes be to write. Himself. Yeah. To be by right. himself and have like a writing yeah. retreat type thing, like a sabbatical kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. not really a sabbatical because he's not a teacher, but you know what I'm saying? A, a break yeah. from life to go sit and write. And then, um, and then of course he crashes. So yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. Wow. Okay. Gerald's game is a, it's a Stephen King film. Right up to yeah, yeah, like it. Sure is. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, back to misery. Misery has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a horror film is pretty crazy. Uh, most horror films don't have that high of a score, but this thing, uh, th- this was a popular one. It's, um, it- it's not only is it one of Stephen King's favorite adaptations, I think largely th- to the public, it's one of, uh, it's one of the better adaptations of of the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, essentially, you know, after he is saved, quote unquote, by Annie Wilkes, um, you know, he's got uh, he he's injured all over his body. He's bruised, and she has this, you know, I'm your number one fan. Which, first of all, if you have not watched the Family Guy spoof of Misery, you like it's gonna change your life. It's one of the funniest things. I Stewie I plays Annie. Stewie is Annie, and Brian is Paul Sheldon. It is absolute gold. It's hysterical. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite Family Guy episodes of all time. It's great. Um, you know, and obviously, so when Paul he Paul's got his his bag with him, he's got the manuscript for the next Misery novel um, in there. And, you know, basically she tells him about the phone lines being down and uh, the roads are all, you know, out of commission because of the blizzard and things like that. And she's like, I'll take care of you. She's really nice. And she does kind of have a strange vibe to her. But you almost just get the sense of like, okay, it's this woman that lives on a farm up in Colorado in the middle of nowhere. Like I could like I, I, you know, maybe she's just weird you know maybe she's just a very giddy very strange very like happy-go-lucky person uh and only if it would have if it only would have just been that if it would have stayed that way yeah and it's interesting it's funny because i just left uh the living room after watching uh cloverfield lane if you guys Mm. don't know what that one's about it's still never seen that one well it's you know it it starts on the pretty much on the same premise i'd say but situation is the same way, you know. You have you have uh, Mary Elizabeth Winestead, Michelle, who is just driving in the drive at night, crashes. She wakes up. She's in a room, chained, and she apparently is being has been saved by Howard, who plays John Goodman, and he she's not allowed to get out of the bunker that they're in because there's apparently some nuclear fallout and he's, he is of the opinion that he is the savior and he saved her life. So he should be appreciative and do things, yada, 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 yada. So same kind of premise. If that makes sense. Is it, is the monster still like around? In it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say is that what's happening on the surface because it's it, such a, that felt like I've never seen it. But I remember when the trailer came out for that because I really I liked Cloverfield a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought Cloverfield was a fun disaster movie. It was really cool, um, and like, 
for whatever reason, like when I saw the trailer for 10 Cloverfield Lane, I was like, that's where they went with a sequel. <laughs> like, that's so bizarre. Like, it's such a stark difference from what the first film was, you know? Um, oh, dude, don't even odd. don't even try to, like, go far with Cloverfield Lane. It's it's complex, but I just I'm just saying that there's there's there were the similarities in the opening with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I could see Cloverfield Lane and um, Misery. So I get that. Um, but we we get into the the weirdness with Annie Wilkes when you know I, and you you put yourself in Robert Sheldon's head and um, you know you're you're thinking like okay or, or in Paul Sheldon I don't know why I said, I said Robert in Paul Sheldon's head and you're like okay this woman just saved my life she's a big fan of my work uh, what sure, are the odds sure I'm gonna let her read this manuscript like you've done so much for me of course and she reads the manuscript for misery and this is when we see the other personality one of the other personalities start to come into play she's like you know he opens his eyes and she's you know before where she was all like all bubbly and happy she's she's really stern and she's criticizing him for like there's too much cursing and there's too much this and not enough of this or whatever and you know um and it's she just like flies off the handle you know uh and, and that's when we get the he didn't get out of the cockadoody car you know we get her like screaming and going crazy and it's like whoa bro like and it's funny i love the scene because after she goes on her rant and she goes like berserk it cuts mm -hmm. to him and he's kind of like okay like he, like he, like you can tell a, he's just he's very he like, just like. It was like, and I'm not so grateful that you saved me. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the moment where he's like, uh, you know, it's the, it's like in The Walking Dead, the day will come when you won't be. <laughs> like, yeah, the day will come when you will not be happy that she <laughs> saved you. Uh, and it's it's weird because it's we're gonna dive into her psyche in just a minute because I think she's a really interesting villain, and it gets to the point where like. It splits. I don't know if it's really split personality or if it's like a bipolar thing, but her emotions just like immediately switch because she's like, then she gets very apologetic and she's like, you know, I'm so sorry, like whatever. Um, but, you know, she's essentially holding him hostage in her mm -hmm. home. He's injured. He's not like he can leave, you know. Um, they're like, my man's got nowhere legs. Like, during he's got blizzard. Yeah. Legs. Yeah. So she forces him to burn the book. She first of all, huge safety hazard. Bro wheels in a a, a, a grill, <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know what I mean, a, a, yeah. a whole grill into the hot into the thing, and just like douses his bag and the manuscript in lighter fluid, and forces him to burn it. Uh, and she gives him a typewriter and whatever, and. She she forces him to start writing a new chapter of the misery series. Well, not even like a new chapter, just, just a the, new new book. A new book, yeah. She yeah. she's forcing him to to write a new book, and it's it, it's really really interesting, you know. Um, it's it, you have to put yourself in his shoes too because it's like, you know. She has such a a connection to this misery character, and it's like she she's trying to 
it, it, it's almost like she's trying to seduce him into doing what she wants, but then you have the other personality that's just like anger. It's like there's there's one personality that's nurturing. There's another one that's like very, um, uh, like a tough love thing, and then there's the like angry, rageful one. You know what I mean? And when he, it's like you never know. Part of the 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 psychological tension in the film is like you never know when she walks through the door, like what, like what, what am I going to get? Like, is she going to go berserk again? Is she going to be kind and offer me food and help? And she's going to like take care of me or is she just going to do the silent, like the, the weird, you know, the weird gloominess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? That Well, uh, I think it's where the psychological horror comes into play because again, you don't know which Annie's going to come through that door or which, um, which word or phrase or action you're going to do that's going to trigger, you know, the uh, oogly boogly of Annie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Now that's an oogie mess. Oogie <laughs> mess. Hey, Bobby, welcome to the show, man. Uh, by the way, your profile picture rules. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. The the naked stormtrooper. Is that a thong or is that just his extremely chiseled, like, thighs? That's his uh, dick root. Wow, I like it. Yeah. Good picture. Kudos, my man. Welcome. Good job. Kudos, Kudos for sexy. Make a man feel steamy in a wintry uh, <laughs> night. Um, you know, so so let's talk about Annie real quick. Uh, essentially, here's the deal with Annie. Um, she has killed people before. We we know this because when, uh, when Paul escapes, when he finds the hairpin and he he's in the wheelchair, she's got him over by the window. She set up a writing station for him, and of course, that's where the the nurturing encouraging Annie is where she gets him paper and she gets him a typewriter and she she's trying to like you know it's almost like she's trying to sway him into into doing what she wants she's trying Mm -hmm. to get him on her side she's trying to be nurturing she's trying to help him and get him to write um but then there's the forceful side and you never know what you're gonna get uh with Annie she I, I I would say it's like a split personality thing it's like extremely brutal mood swings um, you know, and it's it's like she craves praise any time that he praises her in the film, any time he's complimentary of her food or her looks or her house or anything. She's very like taken back. <gasps> you know, she's very taken back by it, and it's mm-hmm. like it's 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 so interesting. You know, there's your girl. What up? What up, Heats? Um. Keats, Peeps, Peeps. That's what she said. I thought you said Keats. I was like, "What?" Well, we call each other Keith. It is what it is. Like weird, Keith. What up, Keith? What up, Keith? <laughs> I've been looking at Julie and say that. What up, Keith? She'd just be like, "What the hell are you talking?" Wait for about? her response. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but we know that Annie Wilkes has a. She's got a past because when Paul starts going around her house, he finds the newspaper clippings and he finds, you know, Which, by the way, it's fucking weird. She just keeps a scrapbook of all of her works. Yeah. What kind of absolute psychopath like mm-hmm. d- does that, you know, I think, um, I think it's because she's, she's one of those people where she relishes and the, she's, she's obsessed with the idea of having control. Yeah. And I think that whenever, uh, Paul is giving her praise it's showing that like when she's in control, she gives, she's giving praise and she's loving that. She's relishing in that idea. That means that she knows that she's in control 
and she's being praised for it. But when things don't go her way, she feels out of control, and that in turn gets her in her angry and like more rageful side because that side of her just wants absolute total control, right. like my way or the highway kind of thing. So it's interesting how each one of her personas or personalities just wants is just obsessing over the idea of control, whichever way is possible, whether that's nurturing or by the force of hand. So it's interesting. Yeah. And for her to have that type of scrapbook for it, I think it's her of her way of uh, reliving moments where she knows she took control of certain things. I would so. agree. Uh, you all just reminded me of, uh, <laughs> I see you all talking in the chat, uh, and, um, uh, Rosalia said freezing my buns off. Uh, I, again, Chris's vacation, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, when, uh, when what's his face says, I'm freezing my baguettes off. <laughs> yeah. And then also Bobby, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. I need to put, I need to make that one of our, our video cutaway things. I need to do that. Was it the sheriff that said that? Uh, no, it's um, uh, it's it's Ellen's dad. When I think it's when they're trying to turn when Clark's trying to get the lights on. Uh, oh, okay. uh, Before they do the drum, when he's like drum roll, please. When mm -hmm. he does that on the yard, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Bobby Lee said, Miguel, that's a spot on analysis, Vanny. Uh, I found oh, these. Thanks, uh, I found a couple of things that I wanted to share that I actually thought psychology. <laughs> I thought I'd pull up on the screen and share with you all. Um, here's one analysis of Annie Wilkes. I thought everybody would find this kind of interesting. So, Where'd you get this? Uh, the Psychological uh, Horror Institute? No, I did not. Okay. Um, so this is this is one that I found um, on a – it's on a like a wiki, villain wiki thing. And I thought – I was reading it, and I thought this was a really good um, analysis uh, Man, her. every now and then, I just wonder if Trent just questions your search history. Yeah, I know. Oh, I forgot about Trent. Yeah. Oh, Trent? We love yeah. him, Trent. Every now and then, you got to send yeah. a report saying, we are not absolute crazy folks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, Trent, so for those of you who don't know, when we when we start doing merch, LTM merch, we're going to have a shirt that says, I heart Trent, because Trent, we've, Miguel has figured out, Trent is the CIA agent that, CIA agent that is... NSA uh, uh, or NSA? What? Ooh, NSA. Sorry, he's the NSA agent assigned to our our YouTube channel. He he only monitors us. Yeah, because I think and I think in this world we have, there's like a huge there's like a huge warehouse building filled with thousands of like you know eight to five uh, folks, and they just they just are assigned people to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So because out of out of everything going on in the world that CIA could be watching. Trent's mm -hmm. job, man, is to watch two idiots talk about movies with each other. Mm -hmm. Two idiots. You know what? It's like brutally, it's like the fucking... brutally in love with each other, and it's they, like they the talk movies on their YouTube channel. It's like the Simpsons uh, movie. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever Marge is like talking on the phone, and like one of the people in the FBI catches wind of it, he's like, "We found him." The government actually found one. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Yeah. Sierra yeah. said, I heart Trent and Miguel. <laughs> I'm glad I'm second, honey. It's all good. Yep. Yeah, Trent came first in that sense. Yeah. Remember that. Trent came first. Number yeah. one on the field. And number, number one, one on the heart. field. Trent Red. <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought this was a really interesting um, 
uh, I, I thought this was an interesting uh depiction and description of Annie Wilkes. It says, despite her cle- cle- clever... Cle- 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 <laughs> Let's try that again, because apparently I can't read. Despite her clearly evil actions, Annie has a very rigid moral code that she strictly follows and expects others to conform to, and she feels especially obligated to correct those who violate her principles. Annie also regards herself as a devout Christian, LOL, and believes that God often speaks to her and instructs her. Mm-hmm. Annie abhors profanity becoming enraged oh, yeah. if it is ever used in her presence. She is obsessed with the Misery Chastain novels by Paul Sheldon and his difficulty distingu- distinguishing between them and reality. A reclusive individual who lives by herself, Annie is prone to bouts of depression and appears to have severely low self-esteem. Which is, again, that that's interesting because that's where the praise thing comes in. Anytime he praises her, like... Mm-hmm. Anytime he praises her, she is so over the moon and so like, like taken back by that. And yeah. we see that like once you know once he starts trying to escape and once he's lied to her and stuff, she gets really depressed. She doesn't really talk. She's just kind of blank. Um, but she has she feels weird... out of control of the situation. That's pretty much how it is. She feels out of control. She yeah. like hides behind her. Uh, yep. Hides behind her emotions and. Yeah. just kind of shuts off. So I, It's interesting, though, with, like, the profanity thing and, like, she says God speaks to her and tells her to do these things. Like, even at the end of the film when she's like, I know what I have to do now, when she says that she's going to, like, she's going to kill him in, like, a like a murder-suicide mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, she sa- like, I believe she says that God tells her to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like she makes it like God instructs her to it's do all of these weird slope. things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very, she's, it, it's very interesting. Like her, you know, her, like her weird quips and her weird, like social constructs that mm-hmm. like, she's so it, like it described as like a moral code. Like she's got this code that is very specific to herself. And if you break that code, you pay the price kind of thing. It's, it's, it's very weird, even though yeah. she is literally, we're going to get to this in a minute, a psychopath, a murdering psychopath. We'll get yeah. there in a sec. And we'll see the extent of, of the fact that she's a murdering psychopath. Um, during her depressive favors, she binge eats and self-harms. Annie is a control freak with a strong desire for power over others and shows pronounced sinister tendencies, not only torturing Paul for disobeying her, but also murdering countless infants during her tenure as a nurse. Interestingly, Annie's intelligence is a subject of debate. She sometimes seems slow-witted and unsophisticated, mispronouncing Don Perignon. Yeah, that was a weird one, too. Don Perignon. Uh, Don Perignon. Uh, but she's also highly perceptive, manipulative, cunning, and capable of thinking quickly, as well as having graduated from the University of Southern California and pursuing a medical career across the country, albeit married by the occasional unfortunate bout of uh, infanticide. Forensic psychologist Reed Malloway states that Annie's personality is a virtual catalog of personality disorders. She shows signs of schizoid, uh, schizotypical, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorders, respectively, as well as bipolar and uh, sadom, uh, 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 sadomasochistic features. Uh, it, it's it's a lot. Like she, um, it, and again, I think that's part of what makes her scary too. Is like on one hand you have this woman who seems so kind of like dimwit ish. Like she's kind of like she, in some circumstances, she seems like she's kind of a moron, 
And then in other circumstances, she's so manipulative and she's so smart and she's always like four steps ahead of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right. Zodiac, you're exactly right. It's a lot. Like she's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's a lot to process. And I think it's supposed to be that way. You know, I think that's kind of the I think that's the idea. Now, what I what, what I was also going to show you is uh, there's another. I don't like, know. This is this is like stuff. like Kathy. Annie's personality and the way they, and the way it's like um, described through a uh, psychologist, because in case you didn't know, I think I said in the collector's edition, a forensic psychologist, Reed Malloy, uh, gave a psych evaluation of Kathy Bates' uh, Annie. Really? And they said that she has bipolar disorder where someone can have real, manic Is this a real psych evaluator? Yeah, like a like a invest forensic psychologist, and just yeah. watched the film and just took notes on it. And like, I think this is a real like like if you are famous in any way, shape, or form, this film is a nightmare because it's yeah. like your typical like fear, like running into a fan and they ended up like drugging you and hiding you and keeping them all to yourself kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's some real like like wacko shit and that's something that like i think is really cool that they did with annie like like this is like your typical like this is like your actor or like famous individual or influencers like worst nightmare if that makes sense and i just i yeah. just find that interesting because it yeah. never would have been us you know but it's just so funny that it's like any other actor would see this and be like uh yeah well mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because it's interesting you said that because I've seen there's so like, you know how in, in the, with the Texas chainsaw massacre, um, the character of Leatherface was originally based off of Ed Gein, who was the real person they dubbed as Leatherface. Um, and they've done psychoanalysis on him and he, I believe was the same kind of thing. I looked it up a minute ago. Um, he was diagnosed after he was arrested um, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia as well as he was a sexual psychopath. Um, but he had this weird love hate in the same way that like Annie has this weird like moral code that people have to follow. He mm-hmm. had this weird love hate relationship with women. And uh, it, it's interesting because like they obviously Ed Gein didn't have this, but Leatherface has like the character of Leatherface has the skin condition and um, you know, he, he's kind of got the uh, neurodegeneration basically. So like his skin is like not okay and whatever. And that's why like he wears the faces and things like that. And like, it's, 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 it's interesting. Like looking at these people, like looking at these characters and thinking about that, like in that, I know there's people that are super into that. I'm not true crime. People are super into that. You know what I mean? Are super it's into like the the mental state, the psychology, the, of... the, the psychology behind these characters and behind, um, you know, just behind the, these people. Um, I'm not really like that. I'm gonna be real. It kind of freaks me out. <laughs> like, like I've, like I don't he know. Likes, there are people he likes that... the idea of just it being blank, like Michael Myers. Like, there's zero no, not, not remorse that. or when any reason or grimes. It's just like. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't mind there being a reason. I don't mind it in the sense of the film, but like I don't, I don't want to take a deep dive into Charles Manson's head or into Ed Gein's head. Like I don't, 
I find it more creepy than than interesting. Like I don't. That's not a place that I want to go to. Now, when we're talking about the character of Leatherface in the TCM franchise or Michael Myers in the Halloween franchise, that's one thing. But I'm not one of these people who like listens to true true crime podcasts and like tries to tries to get in their heads. Like I'm, I don't, I can't do that. Which brings me to my next point and my next what, what I was going to throw up here. So. Uh, somebody with a whole lot more time on their hands and somebody who is way more, uh, you know, passionate about this. Passionate thing. is, is the word I would say. Passionate is the right word. Um, dedicated to this than I am. Went through the newspaper articles and the Castle Rock show and pulled every single murder that Annie Wilkes committed prior to misery. Hell yeah. And they compiled a list. So this is a list. This is how absolutely just berserk Annie Wilkes is. So essentially, uh, let's look at this. So Annie Wilkes, uh, when she, her, uh, you know, her so early eight, childhood college eight, education. Eight bod- oh, wow. Eight bodies in early childhood. Golly, yeah. son. So she set a house fire that killed... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, seven people. No, killed six people. Um, uh, let's see. Um, someone died from flipping on a cat, flipping on a cat, and then she poisoned the cat. Um, she okay. murdered uh, quite a few different people when she was working at a nur- as a nurse at St. Joseph's Hospital. Um, I like how their their causes of death are all in quotation marks, like short, short illness. illness or long illness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, quote, unquote, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like all, all these different hospitals and things like that. Jesus, that she, my lady an un, has... An undisclosed number of patients that died from 1970 to 1978. Like, Annie Wilkes was on some... She, she was on it, like... Wasted no time. Oh, girl was a baller. <laughs> oh, girl, oh, girl stacked them bodies high. She really did. Yeah, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like just a lot. And and mm-hmm. you, I, I don't know. I thought seeing it like this, you know, Dwayne Kushner, a young officer killed by Annie in 1984 via running over his head with a lawnmower. Was this? Wait, that wasn't the sheriff. No. Where's the sheriff? No, 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 no. The so sheriff I, was his so last is... like kill. Yeah, this would have been after, you know, like one of the many infants killed. Like, bro, what? Like, Fuck. when you th- when you think about this and when you think about it, especially uh, that is the point in the movie. That point feels scary to me. That's the first time where it's like, whoa. Because, like, you know, it's super- not like it's not based on her, like, emotions right. on triggering her. It's just the fact that she will kill me because yeah. she's. Obviously, yeah. batshit crazy. Like she has yeah. no problem killing me. Like no matter what I can do to like try to appease her, she probably will kill me. Like without a doubt. And I think that's where the fear kind of sits in. Where it's like, oh shit! Now the stakes are getting really, really, really high. It's yeah. no longer based on my control of appeasing her. Yeah. It's yeah. how can I get the fuck at her before she decides mm-hmm. to just kill me? Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and and it's funny because like it's it also makes you as an audience member and well even for paul sheldon it's like you know she's crazy you know something is off you know something is wrong 
But I think seeing it at the point where he finds it in the newspaper articles, and first of all, why would she keep it all? It's like trophies. It's like, why would she take the newspaper clippings and keep all of it? Like, to reminisce about it? Like, what? <laughs> you know? I don't know? It's just whack. And I think because you haven't, you're building up in your head, like, okay, what is she doing? What's her end goal? Like, is she going to kill me? Is she really going to let me go? Like, what's, where is this going? And then you see what she's done in the past, and it's like, Oh, that's what she's capable of. Yeah. Nope. I got to get at like that. That I think yeah. that's the point where his fight or flight kicked in, and of course it's not instantaneous, but I um, you know, like that's the point when you know at this point the sheriff has start to investigate the disappearance and um, you know, like he uh he 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 finds the painkillers and he starts to realize like if he doesn't kill her she's going to kill him. It's just, it's, it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so, I, I don't know. It, it's so interesting. Is that when he steals the knife? I feel like that's when he takes the knife. Uh, yeah, I think he steals an, I think he stole the knife and, and that point moved the penguin. No, the penguin was like very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think later on is when he steals the knife. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that old girl was playing fucking ch- chess, not checkers, because she could have easily just got mad at him for because uh, he knew that she knew that he got out because yeah. of the penguin because she said that she said I knew I knew that you did that because of the penguin. Yeah, and I just think it's interesting yeah. how it's because that's what's so scary, at least to me, because it's like she's over here like playing chess, but she is unable to regulate her emotions in front of him. So like right. you see in the room how like the small slow trigger can like rile her up, but she's still able to withhold her emotions when knowing that Paul was out and about and trying to escape and move around the house. Yeah. And for her to just like push that aside, you know, that's a pretty big betrayal, at least in her eyes. Yeah. So for her to like push that to the side and, play the long game for that i think is very scary at least on my part for her because it's like it just goes to show that like even though she has you know schizophrenic tendencies and has bipolar disorder she's still a like calculated and very smart uh very smart lady and one that you can't really trick you know what i mean like you feel like you're tricking her or getting the best of her, but she's already like 10 steps ahead of you. She just doesn't just, nobody really knows it at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and like it, I think it also, you know, you were talking about, or, or we talked about her like psychosis, the OCD thing. Like I, I think about when he was looking around her house and like where he's finding clues about who she is and what's happened and things like that. The fact that she can't regulate her emotions around him mm-hmm. and the fact that her personality switches at the drop of a hat, but like like she can't even control her emotions, but at the same time, she noticed that the penguin was missing or that it was turned the wrong way. Like, like you notice something like that, like that's where the OCD kind of thing comes in, you know? And it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's so interesting and it's so well written and it, it just like... I would love to pick Stephen King's brain about like where that came from, because that's a very intricate 
character, you know, where, like, where, I, I saw you guys talking about Leatherface in the, in the comments, and, like, yes, like, Norman Bates was also based off of Ed Gein, um, and Leatherface, you know, Hannibal was based off of Ed Gein, the whole wearing people's skin and eating people, like, yes, that, that's, that's all there, but that's all, like, so loose, and so, like, loosely based on someone, this is so so specific and this character is so um i'm trying to think of the word like this character is so well thought out and so intricate and it's like i I wonder if he had inspiration or if he really just he just wrote a good character you know uh it's it's interesting i'm and and wait are you trying to say that annie is written based on ed gein no, I'm just saying. Right? I oh. wonder if he had an inspiration for it, or if it was just he just wrote a really good character. You know what I mean? Um, no, I think it's. So if you're trying to if you're trying to see if there's like if he wrote this character based on some sort of serial killer, um, I can't really answer that one. But mm-hmm. I think that he is experienced. Uh, many fans and their actions around him, he had enough experience of very characterized uh, fans to the point where he was able to create create a character that was a culmination of everything wrong with uh, quote-unquote fanatics. People who idolized uh, you know, their author director or actor or people that they like you know look up to you know like it just like it's just a culmination of like all the weird things that you would expect from a crazed fan i think that's what i think that's what stephen king was able to write up now if it's based off of like a actual um uh killer or psychotic person i don't know yeah yeah um but you know so we get to the point in this film where it's like the jig is up, you know, in in two different ways. It's, you know, James Conn has figured out who she is, that she's really like off the wall crazy. Um, Oh, well, fuck me. It's based on someone. Is it really? Who? Yeah. Wilkes is loosely based on Janine Jones, a nurse who believed to have killed as many as 50 children who were in her care over a two year period. Damn. No, that happened. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable, but okay. Um Yeah. Wow. I think uh that I think is... she's still alive. Born nineteen fifty, age seventy three. They didn't put her on death row for that? Are you kidding? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Oh, um, ninety nine years with triple credit. <laughs> triple credit look. Why well, give her credit? <laughs> I don't even understand. I think that just means like three ninety-nine year sentences, basically. Probably, I don't know. That was a terrible joke. That should that should have been a death row thing. I'm sorry. Whatever. Um. Anyways, that's awful. Um. But we reach a point where after he's stolen the knife, after he's tried to drug her when they eat dinner together, and she spills the wine. She realizes. She knows he hasn't been taking the sleeping pills. He's been putting them in the mattress. He's hidden the chef's knife under the bed. Um, one of the things that kills me is when 
you know, the classical music is playing. He reaches down to get the knife and it's gone. And she's like, are you looking for this? And we get the Michael Myers pose kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and the music is playing. It's really creepy. And she starts going into her, uh, her, her, um, her, her hobbling, her hobbling story. And, uh, so, mm. we've talked about this before. Uh, Miguel can tell you I am I am pretty good on gore I can handle wow we bounced to that scene okay we we really did Uh, I can handle quite a bit of gore in 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 horror films I really can bone stuff just I I I don't know what it is bone stuff kills me this you know it wasn't even that bad of a bone scene too wrecks me I know but it's the sound and it's the concept of like I know what she's doing Mm -hmm. oh it's 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 terrible and she's so like he's pleading with her like like please don't do this like please 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 she's he's begging her and she's just like she's she's calmly she's so calm while she does it and she's like you know it's for your own good like she's so calm she sets the board between his legs and she does the first one and it, he's screaming in agony and she's like one down there's one more to go you know <laughs> it's just like okay you know, and she breaks both of his his ankles. He passes out, and I think that's the point where he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna kill her. Like this is going to happen." You know, um, and he he uh, you know he um, once uh, the sheriff starts to find him. I know somebody had said, uh, I think it was Rosalia. Yeah, Rosalia said she was sad when the sheriff died. The sh- I like the sheriff's yeah, character. I was kind of bummed when he died. Yeah, like, even watching it again, and I've seen the film four or five times but like this last watch along i was like man that's that's a bummer because he was a good dude like you know he even had like the bantering relationship with his wife who worked for him and um you mean his deputy his his deputy that was also his wife (laughs) you know what i mean um yeah it, it was a shame when he died um and the way he died too she dude she straight up blew a hole in his chest like yeah took that double-barreled shotgun and like right up to his chest and yeah trigger man cratered my man and he I falls thought so down bad. cratered um yeah. he falls down the steps and this is where paul grabs the lighter fluid and shoves it in his pocket and he uh you know she she's depressed she wants to do the suicide thing and essentially when she pulls out the revolver um and the the medicine, you know, he convinces her, "Hey, I'm gonna finish the book. I'm going. I, what does he say? He's gonna, um, he's gonna give misery back to her, or something like mm-hmm. that. Like he, like he's gonna bring yeah. misery back. He's gonna fix it. He's gonna do whatever. And you know, she's that kind of gives her a little bit of pep enough to like, okay, I'm gonna let you finish the book or whatever. And he lets her, you know, he she lets him continue to write, and he says, you know. Uh, once it's done, he, you know, she's got a little bit of pep back. She's excited to read it. And she says, you know, he wants the cigarette and he wants the champagne and stuff, you know? Uh, and he, I I like that it's a parallel between her burning the manuscript at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when he says, I learned it from you, when he has it all with the lighter fluid on it, whatever. And, uh, you You can see the pain in her, in her eyes, her voice. Yeah. And as an audience member, you're like, 
that's right. Like I like yeah. I hope this you kills don't deserve you. that. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> she's like like it's on fire and she's like swatting at it and trying to put it out. He takes the typewriter and poof, he slams around the back of the neck with the typewriter bro that typewriter typewriters are heavy even at the moment we didn't even touch on this when he she gets mad at him at one point when she's got the rageful personality and she picks up the typewriter and slams it on his broken legs i think it was the, i think it was like, the paper wasn't it was it the paper i thought it was the i typewriter. think it was the paper i thought it was the paper Maybe because was he, paper. he complained about the paper and he said fucking when he throws on his legs. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the paper. Well, still, that paper was that thick. You know how heavy a thing of copy paper is? And yeah, she had two is. or three of them, and she just slammed yeah. the mountain on his legs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad, too. But he slammed her with the typewriter, and then it's 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 on. Like, they are they are going at it, and the it's dude still can't walk. Diddy Kong. Yeah. Yeah, he, he still can't walk. So they're just, like, rolling around. They're attacking each other. He's hitting her, you know. He, um... He... She, uh... What I, I love about that scene is, like, he finally cracks, and he's like, you want it? You want it? Eat it! Eat it! And he's taking the burned papers and, like, sh- cramming them inside of her mouth as she's choking on it and stuff. Yeah. And the two of them are fighting. Uh, he ends up making it to the, like, the, the hallway, foyer, whatever that little room is by the front door, um, and she jumps and attacks him again and things like that. And... He, uh, you know, he's got the the little the 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 pig. Is it a pig? I want to say it's a pig. Yeah, it's a it's, a, it's like a, it's like a prize pig or something like that. I don't yeah. know. It's a little like iron pig or whatever. And he finally, uh, you know, he um, uh, he takes the pig and he he finally bashes her head in uh, with the pig and um, and pretty much ends it right there. And, yeah, and, and and that's it. Which um, is funny because like apparently in the book. It was one of the, it, apparently in the book, she like hits her head and she, you know, it's a mortal, mortal fatally wound where she hits her head like when she fell. But same way, same way it happened with the typewriter. But, um, Paul escapes. And then when the police come back to like find, uh, Annie, she's apparently like gone. She's gone, right? I feel she's like I gone. remember that. Yeah, but apparently they find her in the farm because she went to go grab a fucking chainsaw to finish it, but she then, you know, succumbs to her injury, which I think was a, which I'm kind of glad that they changed that aspect in the book because it just, it didn't give the triumphant, um, right, that moment where it's like, boom, like he did it. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. He's, she's dead and that's it. It like, yeah. People clapping. In I the guarantee. Theater. Yeah, I guarantee yeah. people clapped in that theater. Shia LaBeouf. For... Yeah. So, the second that pig came crashing down, I'm pretty sure people were ecstatic over that. So it doesn't surprise me that they changed that because I feel like if they did it the other way, it just I don't I, don't, I think it would have lost its luster. If that makes sense. Yeah, dude. I love dude. I for the paper thing when he's cramming the paper in her mouth. That is one. You probably like. <laughs> well, it's no, funny I'm because sure, like. like She's like choking on like ash and paper, and he's like, "You want it? You want it? Ada, you sick, twisted fuck!" Like he's just like screaming at her and like spitting, and it's just like it's this crazy like emotion. It's it's like you've 
it, it's like the entire film you're slowly like it's like a it, it's a it's a pressure valve tension and release like you're 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 waiting to let the full fart out you're just letting like little like pockets of air out at a time and then okay, immediately yeah, sure. you just like diarrhea your pants like it's just like it just <laughs> it's just, like it all comes out all at once and okay, sure, yeah. it's like i know that's a terrible analogy but i'm just saying uh it, it's like you, you just slowly like it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds tension. And of course you have the moment where she's coming home and he's trying to race back into the bedroom or you have the moment where she breaks his ankles and you have, like you have all of these Stephen Curry breaks his ankles. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but you have all of these like moments of like where it gets tense and then it dies back down and then it gets tense and then it dies back down. And then you have that moment and that moment. It's just like, it's such a good pain. All moment. bets are off. All of the emotion that has been built up in both of them, the entire film, is mm-hmm. just like completely unleashed at the same time, and it's it, it's it's a really really good final like fight scene between the two of them, and it makes it more tense because the dude can't walk, his legs are still broke or his ankles are still broken from, you know what I mean, from her hitting them with sledgehammers. So like yeah yeah. It's just it's, it's like my man's got an upward hill you know, battle to go through for all he, that, he and really you almost does. like like you really want him to pull through for it because you yeah, know like he's yeah. got like a lot going his way, and he makes it. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't do the chainsaw thing from the novel. I mean, on one hand, it's cool. Like I, I get how it adds a level of like, ooh, like that's creepy. She was still alive, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I, I also like what the film does too. The film kind of it, it's almost it's. I wouldn't say it's an abrupt ending. It just kind of like, we don't really get to see the after effects of it. Mm-hmm. We just cut to two years later, whatever, or however long later. And we see Paul um, in New York City and he's meeting a friend or whoever that woman was. I think his, he's uh, meeting. his editor. His editor is his agent, mm-hmm. you know, press, something like that. And he's walking, he's got a cane, obviously, because my dude's legs are wrecked still like bro's, bro's gonna walk with a cane for the rest of his life you know yeah, yeah um you know but uh he uh he 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 sits down at the table and you know these people the, the waiters and waitresses are walking around and i love that he looks up and um he looks up and you can tell he's got ptsd he's seeing this waitress as annie like he's mm-hmm. hallucinating and he's picturing it as her walking towards him and um you know she interestingly enough it's funny because she the the nurse or the, the nurse the waitress looks at him and says i'm your number one fan and he's like thank you you know what i mean like you mm-hmm. know at that moment he's like you know he's like let's, let's go somewhere else for once you know but yeah. uh it's just it, it, it's a cool ending i like the ending it, it feels kind of quick you know after that like we we could have we didn't really have time to settle after he kills Annie. It just kind of like, boom, and then here's a little four-minute tag, and then that's the end of the film. Yeah. But uh, it, it's a really great film, and it, it's uh, it's a very tense film. It's a very... Um, Traumatic, I'd say. It's yeah. definitely, it definitely pokes on the Jamie Lee Curtis tagline of trauma. And Trauma. Yeah, of, of that, because... You know, like you said, at the end, whenever she meets with, whenever he meets with the the waitress, and he gets that quick little glance of of Annie, it's a interesting play on the world of people who have that influential influential uh, you know power and society and have that type yeah. of status, 
or like even during that type of uh, traumatic experience with like her with his one with a quote unquote number one fan, someone else is going to say that to him, yeah, and it's going to trigger everything to come back. But he has to know that you know he is a famous author, he is famous. People on the streets are going to know him, and he still has to give that kind of like candor and like respect to everybody, or else his life is forever changed. And he will never, you know, have, you know, the acolytes that he wants because he's always in on edge whenever someone says that he's a fan. So it's an interesting play on the idea of trauma and how people have to trauma. live live with that trauma despite yeah. uh despite not fully uh you know come to terms with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and we don't really get to see a whole lot of that either. You know what I mean? Uh, I was It's funny. I was explaining the plot to Julia before we, because she's never seen it, before we started the show. Uh, and um, and she said, it sounds like it's a reversed rear window. If you've ever seen Hitchcock's rear window, where like essentially, you know, he he's in his house and he thinks he sees a murder happen. So he's obsessively watching. But this is like the reverse of that, where like he's trapped, but he's trapped with the murderer. You know, it's like a, it's like a flip flop of that. Um, I wanted to read. We, we've done this before. I, again, it's got a 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes um, and a 90 percent audience score. I mean, so this thing obviously is loved, loved. by a lot of people uh, and by critics as well. Um, I wanted to read a couple of these. Um, someone said, uh, one, one reviewer said the genius of Bates performance is the delicate balance that can tip without warning from sweetly cheerful to psychotic rage. And again, that's kind of the thing that I, I think that's honestly one of the most Annie Wilkes is the most intriguing aspect of the film. Um, it, she has the most, the most depth of the entire picture because like it, what we, I mean, we, sp- what if we spent a, a huge chunk of the show talking about her, her, being freaking nuts like she's mm-hmm. a whack job you know yeah um she's just complete psychopath and it's fun to kind of dive into that character and kind of what it means and the intricacies of of annie wilkes you know yeah um someone else said uh um where was it um expertly perform misery works because it hits the gas let's go the wheel and sees what happened it's engaging taunt and miserable in all the right ways yeah like that's what i said about the pressure valve thing it's like a it's like it 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 builds you up and then it slowly brings you down and then it builds you up then it slowly brings you down you know um it's like the the blink 182 song edging it just slowly brings you up then it slowly brings you back down you know it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, someone else compared it to Hitchcock. Uh, Reiner's ambitions to make a Hitchcockian thriller prevail, uh, and on those terms, the film performs splendidly, ratcheting the suspense in uh, scene after scene. Um, it, it's it's a great film. It's a very suspenseful film, uh, and it's definitely as far as Stephen King adaptation goes. Adaptations go. Um, it, it's it's in my top three, I think, uh, of King adaptations. It's really really great. That's so funny because this is not like a movie. This is a movie I had to remind you of because this was like one of the films that I thoroughly enjoyed. So even though like, you know, it was like one of those last minute um, films that we decided to do a commentary on. I'm really glad we got to do it because this is definitely one of those films, one of those underrated, I would say, uh, Stephen King films, because, you know, you have heavy hitters like Pet Cemetery. Uh, Stephen King's It, the and obviously The Shining, and believe it or not, Shawshank. So Cujo. it's 
yeah, and Cujo. Like, and so misery tends to like fall in the cracks a little bit, but it's nice to know that there's still some love about this movie. Oh yeah, and that the cult following is still uh is still around because you know even though I didn't consider this like a scary movie, this is a movie that I saw when I was young because I just kind of I kind of enjoyed the psychological thriller aspect of it. It's not a scary movie by any means. It's just a it's just a decent thriller and I'm all for those. So yeah, it's uh it, it's really really nice. Um and it's 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 a great deep dive into the mind of a true psychopath, you know. Uh it's uh what um what Malcolm McDowell's Loomis says in Halloween 2, these are the eyes of a psychopath you know that's basically Annie Wilkes the entire time so um, listen this has been a fun episode episode number 28 of Purely and Simply Evil Uh, we've got a lot more Purely and Simply Evil coming this year this is um, we we really want to build up our catalog on this show Uh, and and I know it moves slowly I know typically a lot of other channels get reviews out there like boom 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 Um, but we we like doing it this way and kind of taking it one by one and doing a deep dive into every single um, film in a franchise and you know things like that it, it, it's pretty cool so um we have we have a lot of uh we have a lot of films that we want to get through uh zombie stuff and it's it's gonna be fun so uh oh, yeah. we thank you all so much for joining us on the show hope you're warm wherever you are i i hope you continue to stay warm uh through the rest of the week because this week looks the, the the back half of this week looks worse than the first half gross. <laughs> yeah so uh we love you all thank you so much for being here if you haven't already please join the let's talk movies uh facebook group if you type in let's talk movies youtube channel dash community page on facebook one of us will let you in uh you can follow us on twitter instagram tiktok and threads at ltm podcast ky you all are amazing. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do that as well. We dropped a couple of new videos uh, on Saturday, one about 28 days later. Uh, we did a reaction to the... Um, to uh, which one? The, the vampire, what's it called? Uh, Abigail, the Abigail thing. Oh, okay. yeah. um, and then we also did a trailer reaction and our thoughts on uh, The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live that trailer as well so we'll have some more standalone content coming at you too uh we love you guys have an awesome 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 possum rest of your night and we'll talk to you soon we'll talk to you soon have a great cock duty rest of your week see ya bye see ya